that is the essential step that is is missing. Mm-hmm. Is that there's this people are frustrated, they're anxious. Yeah. And the scripture says be anxious for nothing, but with prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known unto God. Hey friends, welcome to the Victor Marks Podcast with Victor Marks, founder of All Things Possible Ministries. Welcome to the show where we bring you real conversations faced with life's hard truths, stories of redemption, and the latest from the front lines. Whether you're on the road, getting your day started, or finally settling in, we've got an exciting new episode planned for you. So let's dive in to today's show. Hey everybody, welcome to another edition of Victor, well we call it Victor Mark's show, podcast. Oh, that's a good name. Well, I was on radio for a while. A lot of it has to do with my name. I think it's because as I get older, even on apparel, I'll remember who I am when I just look down. Or Like the uh, Granimals? It is. It's the Granimals for guys, and they're heading towards 60. Hey, today is actually really special because, one, I got a longtime friend, and, two, you're helping to christen in this new studio. It's nice. Isn't this nice? It is. New cameras, lights. It, we're talking tall cotton here, people. And uh, my friend is Tony Perkins, president of the Family Research Council. And uh, we actually, look, actually, we just came off the range, so uh, we ain't trying to be pretty. Uh, but we've had a good time the last few days. We're oh, here yeah. at the training center here in Colorado Springs, our base and headquarters. Um, but before we kind of get into that, Tell the audience a little bit about your background, because a lot of people have seen you, heard you, but sometimes they don't really know the background of Tony Perkins. And one of the first things, he's from Louisiana. Yeah, that's true. That's true. <laughs> you know, we, we actually have a lot, a, a lot of common in our background, and I'm, as you mentioned, probably most people wouldn't uh, assume the background I have see me in the political realm. But my right. background, I was in the Marine Corps, about the same time you were. Yep. Uh, I was a police officer. I worked in anti-terrorism with the State Department. And then I uh, was actually a television reporter for a brief period of time, which was the transition into the political realm. So mm-hmm. I uh, ran for office about 25 years ago, held office in Louisiana, and then for the last 19, have been at the Family Research Council in Washington. And what we do is we work on public policy from a biblical perspective mm. as it pertains to the family. So we're unapologetically Christian. And, and we believe that if the Bible was good enough for the founders to build a nation upon, it's good enough to govern a nation by today. You guys have done a lot. I kind of call you all, I mean, in regards to quiet professionals, uh, because you're doing a lot that people don't even know. Uh, you, you got your forward-facing things, and people see that. But... It's interesting because uh, you told me, and I didn't know one of your mentors was Jerry Falwell. Right. Moral majority. Yeah. Uh, who did it well. I mean, but then somewhere along the line, things started getting quiet. People started fought, fighting battles, and FRC kind of stepped up, took the guide on. You know, the, the moral majority was kind of the initial wave right. that hit the beach. Um, and Dr. Falwell, I'm a graduate of Liberty, did my undergraduate work there, and so he was kind of a mentor of mine. Mm-hmm. And one thing that he did that I think he did really well is that he raised up tens of thousands of men and women who were like Jerry Falwell. Yeah. 
their passion about their faith, and, and they're what we call, we, we work with, George Barna is on our team. Uh, he's a senior fellow at FRC, and he's, you know, one of the foremost pollsters, sociologists, knowing evangelicals. And so about 10 years ago, he coined a term for us. The evangelical terms become very elastic. Right. Okay, so, oh, I mean, yeah. anybody could be an evangelical. Yeah. I mean, yeah. if they've ever touched the Bible, they're an evangelical. So he came up with a, a term called SAGECON, spiritually active, governance-engaged conservative. It's a mouthful, but SageCon wow. says a lot. But here's what it is. It's about 9% of the adult population, but a SageCon is someone who is engaged in the culture because of their faith. Interesting. So you do what you do because of your faith. Totally. And so I do. I, I would have never chosen politics. I loved law enforcement. Right. And that's why I actually went into law enforcement. But the Lord called me into politics mm -hmm. And it's because of my faith. And so about 9% of the adult population are what we call SageCons. That's about 23 million Americans. There's about 36 million almost SageCons. Yeah. In the last election, 2020, 14% of all the voters were SageCons. And about 33, about 31% of Donald Trump's vote was SageCons. So these are a very significant yeah. voting population, and, and the left knows that. And so they're trying to silence the sage cons. And how do they silence the sage cons? They don't allow the discussion in the population, uh, in the media, the legacy right. media, about issues of faith, about human sexuality, about abortion, about these issues that propel sage cons to engage. Mm. And so what happens is if they're not... They're not being affirmed by that conversation that's going on. They know it's, they know that they what they believe, but no one else is talking about right. it. So you know what happens for most people? What do they do? They, they go silent. Yeah. They step back. Right. And they need leaders. I mean, you know that most people yeah. need leaders. They're followers. Yeah. And so that's kind of our mission is to, and it's shifted in the last ten years to focus solely on the sage cons. And so we've kind of stepped back from the legacy media because. You know, we only agitate yeah. the left, and quite frankly, I'm not that interested in agitating people. I'm interested in equipping people to do things that, you know, you've done a lot of stuff. You can't tell everybody about it. Mm. We do a lot of stuff that we don't tell people about. Right. Because if you do, you're not effective at it. Yeah. Whether you call it field craft or trade craft, or, uh, th there are things that has to be done that really you can only entrust to certain groups of people. Right. And if you if you go around talking about all of that, I mean, you got to talk about some of it. People right. got to know that their investment in you is right. bringing a return. But some things you've got to keep at a level that you just don't talk about because you will you will affect your ability to 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 affect change. Yeah. I was asked a question not long ago: How big is your staff? How big are your teams? Where are you located? And I just went, <laughs> Well, you know, we, we kind of operate like SF. We're we're where we need to be, when we need to be. Got a great team of excellence, and uh, but we appreciate your prayers. But you know, in that that takes a level of trust in the Lord. Oh yeah, because you know we're we're here just like you because people across this country believe in the mission, and yeah. so they invest in our work, and then you know in turn we we let them know what they're doing and yeah. what they're accomplishing, and you know but we have to trust the Lord, and we're going to follow His lead. We're not, we, we can't operate the way the world operates in the political realm. And, and sometimes we take, we take hits. 
sometimes we can't defend ourselves. Right. You know, not that we we don't have justification. It's yep. just that we don't we don't feel it's appropriate at the moment. We just let God sort it out. Yeah. Now what we're talking about politics. Uh, I think everybody was shocked uh, during this last presidential cycle that we're in, as far as where we are right now. Yeah. Including some people on the left. Uh, I've seen, this may sound odd for some, but I've seen, because we were talking about the LGBTQ, and I've seen a lot of people on the left who identify themselves as gay or whatever become conservatives based on a main issue of they feel like uh, the gay community is justifying and supporting up what they would call groomers of children. Uh, everything from encouraging them to choose their own, you know, gender, and and they're sick of it. And uh, Twitter just completely suspended an account called Gays Against Groomers, and I thought this is pretty telling mm-hmm. uh, on how bad things are getting. Well, we've actually seen coalitions form of of uh, feminists, right, that are working with faith groups like ours, conservative Christian Which that's groups. that's not normal, folks. No, it's, it's, you know. there, there's actually been a couple of times I've been able to do that in the past on some life issues, on, mm-hmm. uh, on you know, isolated issues. I mean, sometimes you just, you, you know, you work with who yeah. you can to accomplish what you Good need to allies. do. And, but that shows, for one, it shows how fragile this, if you think about it for a moment, the LGBTQ, and then, of course, there's a lot of, oh, a lot of other ABC things. ABC people. But that's not a natural combination of individuals. They actually have competing interest. They do. And so it's a very fragile coalition that's only driven and kind of bound together by their focus on the opposition. Right. And and their desire to advance and normalize certain things. And so it is very fragile. And I think you're going to see fissures in those relationships. And yeah. I think you're seeing them on the this inexplicable okay <laughs> inexplicable in the natural all right there's more coming yeah on this whole transgender issue that president biden and his team is pushing i mean there's no explanation i mean we have you know highest inflation in 40 years crazy. uh gas prices through the roof we have a world that is unstable i mean th- we're in the most dangerous situation probably since before World War II. Mm. And, and quite frankly, our military is in, danger. is in danger because of the woke ideology. I mean, they're pushing out qualified men and women because they won't get a shot right. for COVID, which now the you know, whole CDC says, well, we don't really need it, didn't work. They reversed their position. But yet the military is still drumming out these qualified men and women when our army... Have, was forty percent below their recruiting numbers. Right now, you know we've done outreach to um, some many bases to talk about resiliency and help the troops in there, and the suicide rate sort of yeah. skyrocketing for active duty, uh, even among this is going to shock a few people, but uh, the the drill instructors, yeah, uh, where they were having to wear masks. The cycles were longer because now they they can't produce a soldier the way they used to. So the training cycles are longer. People are masked up, and it was it absolutely 
some people there, there is a, there's a combination of factors, and I'm not holding myself out as an expert, but I've taught, I've, I speak with a lot of people who are engaged. Now, I'm, I'm not a combat veteran, uh, so you know, I'm not gonna. But I have been in conflict situations in law enforcement, oh, yeah. and I've I've seen a lot of guys that have had uh, post traumatic stress mm-hmm. syndrome, and you know, those that can work through that the best are those that have a faith foundation. Absolutely. And they and they can it's kind of a Romans 8:28. You know, God works all things together. I mean, it, all things work together for good for those who love the Lord and call mm-hmm. according to his purpose. That these bad things that happen to us, we can fit them into the bigger picture. Mm-hmm. And and it's a part of the tapestry of our lives that God is creating. Mm-hmm. And without that and we've we, and we have a military now that's become very hostile. Mm-hmm to faith, we're driving out one of the strongest, if I can use the term, coping mechanisms that yeah. we have for stress. Yeah, I, and I'd say this too, I, I, I'm friends with some key generals at the Pentagon that are over faith aspects. They are so thankful for people praying for them. Yeah. Because it is a spiritual war. Absolutely. And that's where all of this kind of leads. Um, you know whether it's politicians or pastors, uh, there's there's a sense of fear yeah. among them. Well, and that right and that, that helps me come back to uh, I was chasing a squirrel there, so I'm back. What I was saying there is more to this inexplicable push by the Biden administration right. with all of this other stuff going on. That his top priorities are number one, transgendering our children. In fact, if you go back on uh, in July and June. He had a an event in the White House with surrounded by children, and he said, "He said this is a battle for the soul of our nation," and he was then went on to promote his transgender agenda for children. That is one occasion that I agree with what he said. Mm. This is a battle for the soul of our nation, but I'll go one step further. It is a battle for the souls of children, and so this is a spiritual battle. And that's the only way you can explain what I describe as a demonic agenda mm. to lead our children, to to capture them, to hold them hostage down a path of destruction. Why else would then you have those on the left denying, in fact, making it illegal to get counseling for these children that may have issues with uh, their you know, gender dysphoria, with their sexual identity. Right. And, and in fact, the studies show over 80%, actually closer to 90% of these kids, if you just leave them alone... It'll work itself out. They, they, they get straight yep. in, in, in terms of knowing who they are and what they were created to be as God. And this is a, this is a spiritual issue. And I know that there are some who say, well, you know, you're imposing your theology... Look, this is what Jesus said mm. in Matthew chapter 19. He said, have you not read from the beginning that God created the male and female? Two genders. Yeah. And that's the way we were created. Now, I know there are some, some anomal- yep. anomalies, yep. but they are very rare. Yeah. But there's two genders. And, and we don't get the ability to define ourselves. This We're at a point, I think, in the timeline of human history of absolute and total defiance toward God, Mm. that we've now denied him as the creator, and we are now declaring that we can determine who we are. 
And you see this in the green agenda, mm -hmm. you know, that we, we're going to save the planet. I mean, we can't even, I mean. Yeah, we can't even get baby food on the shelves uh, or stop people coming in from the country uh, or, you know, make a dent in the current human trafficking and Right, yeah, but we're, but we're going to save the planet. Yeah, it's it. There just seems to be such a dearth of common sense that it makes people want to give up. So with all of this, you know, I have a common friend, Doctor James Dobson. Yeah, and um, you're actually going to be seeing him soon. And I will say this: I'm glad he's lived this long to see Roe v. Wade. Reversed. Yeah, because yeah. he's worked so that, hard against that. That is certainly a that gives me great hope, and it tells me that yes. God's not finished with our nation. It's like an extension of mercy. And if you actually read the court decision, what the court did after forty nine years is it changed its mind on abortion, mm. right? Which in in the Greek, repentance is metanoia. That's the word, mm. and it means to change your mind. And with changing your mind, you change your actions and your thinking. And so what the court has done is changed its thinking. And now, of course, it's up to the church to do the work of repentance. But bigger than that, and this is why the left's all stirred up right now, is that they, the court, the majority in the court, in that decision, went at the very heart of this facade of constitutional rights that the court created out of thin air. You know, and there's a number of those. It's not just uh, the abortion issue. It's also this redefinition of, of marriage and human sexuality. There's nothing in the Constitution about that. There's nothing in the history of mankind right. about that. This was all created by the court. And so we're at a very, I think, one of the most significant points in human history. Mm. And I, I think we're seeing this cascading effect of evil, but we're seeing a great flourishment uh, a flourishing of good yeah and, and 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 we've got to be aware of what's happening and and resist and hold back the evil but at the same time we can't be preoccupied with that we've got to feed the good because i believe that as scripture says we're going to see an outpouring of god's spirit but it comes back to us as individual believers number one knowing the word of god being in the word of god and then boldly living out the word of god did y'all just hear that? That's the prescription to help what ails and to heal America. Yes. And it and revival, I always look at revival starting within the, the believer, not the non believer. It's right. let the Christian first. And then I you know me, I'm I'm pretty straightforward with the pastors to say, Come on, you gotta live out your faith if you're not addressing moral issues. Uh, that will give the enemy more room. Why aren't you? And the the whole COVID deal, you know, I, I just spoke at a pastor's conference, Turning Point USA's faith, and I and I said I like one of the benefits of COVID, which was you got to see who's who in the zoo. Yeah, yeah, that's true. And you're like, wow, really? Are you gonna? And people, some guys that I knew and respected and read their books. I end up going through my library because it's been, you know, a good couple of years now. And I started just throwing, I started tossing books. I go, you're disqualified to me. You don't have the backbone. Now, people can always repent or come back. But in the time of need, we saw what they were about. And um, 
And that was just like when you take people to combat or breaching a house, you know, leading into getting a bad guy, which you've done. You find out what men oh, yeah. or women are made of because you can't hide. And if you do, you're, you know, you're shown the door. But we saw what pastors did. We saw what politicians did. Now I want to address Joe Schmo, regular red-blooded, God bless America, truck driver, driving. And uh, he's like, I probably caught half of all that talk. Um, you know, what can I do to help my nation? And I would say this, and then you take it. We, we got to start with our own heart. Yeah. We got to make sure just what you said, that prescription. We got, I ask people, are you in the word? Yeah. If you don't, if you're not a good reader, folks, listen to it. I get on my little tractor, mow my lawn, turn on the, you know, read the, listen to the Bible. I can go through all the gospels. And, but you've got to get in to renew and transfer your mind. If you're just stuck on watching stuff or all negative, you're going to get negative and it don't take yeah. much. So first get your heart in line. Then where would they go from there? Well, I, I don't want to skip over that too quickly because I do think that is, that is the essential step that is, is missing, mm-hmm. is that there's this people are frustrated, they're anxious. Yeah. You know, the Scripture says, be anxious for nothing, but with prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known unto God. And so I, I think there's a lot of anxiety, and there's, we want somebody in Washington to do something. Right. I'm going to tell you right now that the solutions for what ails America will not come from Washington, D.C. Now, what we do, and I, I'm going to say this, and, and I usually don't say it in public, so I'm going to get dinged by it. No one will hear this. Okay. No one will hear this. Right. So I say what we do in, in, in D.C. is just keep the barbarians at bay. Yeah. Yeah. So the church can do its work. Yeah. That's why we def- we work so hard to defend religious freedom in our policies. I worked with the Trump administration to get the executive order on religious freedom. Uh, the Johnson Amendment repealed. Just so the church has the space to do its work because the transformation of a culture only happens when lives are transformed by the truth. And we're only transformed by the truth if we're in it. And so for that truck driver, let's talk to that truck Mm -hmm. driver. Let's talk to that that feels frustrated and powerless. If we start in our home, beginning in our own heart, making a commitment to spend time in God's Word. And, and, and I've, we, we practice this. In fact, I've got a Bible reading plan, a two-year plan through the Bible that people can join us on. They can go to frc.org slash Bible. 15 minutes a day, and you can join us in this journey, and in two years you'll be through the entire Bible. Okay, but what's, what's the thing you do where you do a little? I, along with that, every yeah. morning I do a uh, about a, eight to 10 minute devotional on Facebook or mm. on my website, tonyperkins.com that moves along with that devotional. And we've got thousands of people who are That's joining us cool. in that and people who have never read the Bible wow. and they've been, some of them Christians, some not, some have said, you know, I've just never been able to do it, but this makes it easy because it's all, we're only talking 10 to 15 minutes a day. Right. But the story, the accounts, the reports we're getting from people of how this is impacting their families, how it's changing their attitudes toward life, giving them hope and encouragement. I don't know about you, but would you like a little hope every every now and then? I need a shot in the home every day. I think about what you just said when COVID hit. I remember all the pastors that never 
doing anything on social media. All of a sudden, we're telling their staff, uh, let's do the social media. And then they started the daily devotions. And as soon as they, most of them, I'm going to say most, if they're honest, as soon as they like felt like, okay, I'm still connected because the tides are still coming in, they let go of it. And, but they made it sound so important. This is so, I was like, gosh, guys, you're not even good at lying. Just tell the truth. You want to stay connected. You want to encourage people, but you want to make sure your tides come in. You've just been doing this steady Eddie for so long because it matters spiritually. Well, and, and I did it at first in my family, and then I did it in my church when I was pastoring, and then I took it to FRC. We promote about three or four years ago. We started. We're on our second iteration of the journey, and it's it's really changed our staff because every morning at FRC, we our first fifteen minutes is a discussion of our whole team. We join by by conference call, discussing the reading. Huh. And we've got a number of pastors. So uh, the younger staff on our team, they're in, in the course of two years, they're going to have a theological level degree wow. because we've got trained theologians on the call every morning just discussing that word. But but it's the practical application right. that when we we're in uh, we're in Psalms right now, about to wrap up with Psalms, and you just begin to see that the Scripture is so relevant. It may have been written thirty five hundred years ago. Right. But it's so relevant to what we're dealing with. And David, he's, I mean, he's like, he's one of us. Yeah, yeah. And he faced real issues, and he, and he failed. But he got back up in God's mercy and God's grace. And, and, and it just, I encourage people to look. And I, I go into people's homes, and, and I've told you that I don't have a television. We don't watch television. We got rid of it. Um, but you go into people's homes, and they have their television on 24-7. Yeah. And, and even if it's on a conservative Right. Uh, cable network, but, but there no, but there's really no more conservative, you know, legacy media outlets, and you know the anxiety level. Oh, it just because you know when I was in, the, I was a reporter for a couple of years, and and there was a saying in the newsroom: if it bleeds, it leads. Right. I All mean, right. You, you know, you got you got to get people cranked up, yeah. and, and especially on talk radio, um, there's this incitement, mm-hmm. and and that's not healthy. It wears for people us. out. It does. So I say, look, turn that off and, and get in the Word of God. Yeah. And this reading plan is great for families. We have, Each day has two questions that go along with the reading. So you can, you know, just kind of at the dinner table, ask your kids, hey, this is the this is the question. What did you read today? Okay, and, and how do they find that again? It's at frc.org slash Bible. And it's, okay. it, there's a landing page there, and it'll walk them through. They can download it, or they can do it each day interactively. Okay. And what about your podcast? Just go to TonyPerkins.com. It's, we'll it's right there. there, or on my Facebook page, Tony Perkins. Yeah. You guys, um, we do a daily brief. That's what we put out, and um, it's at VictorMarks.com forward slash brief. Because we, like you guys, we, we want people to not get all lathered up. Yeah. To walk in faith, not fear. Right. To understand the issues and the appropriate action, that will make a difference. Yeah. And and I, I just would encourage folks to go check it out because uh, for you, uh, your friend, we've been friends a while. We got similar backgrounds as far as uh, the positive. Hey, honey, we're, we're recording. Yeah, we're not going to edit that out. Does it look good? You said it looks good. <laughs> <laughs> Honey, 
Honey, we're recording. First one. See, she can't wait to get on the, she calls it the Eileen Mark show. So, um, it, it, to me, it really matters that our younger generation, which, you know, I used to, I used to cross my eyes about the snowflakers until one of them said, everything you just said I am, now help me not be. Mm. And I was like, well, I was having fun just picking on you. Uh, and what he was saying is, give me leadership. Yeah. The other thing that I'm encouraged about the younger generation, Tony, is think about that 22-year-old kid who smoked the bad guy in the mall, you know, shot him, the, the pizza delivery guy that pulled those folks out of a burning house. Those are young men. Yeah, I actually wrote a book a few years ago called No Fear, and it's uh, a, a new generation standing for truth, and it's all stories about young people that are committed to their faith and standing in the face of the cultural opposition. And I'm encouraged by, and that's why I wrote the book. I started running across all these different ones. Interesting. And, and I said, you know what? These stories need to be told so that other young people will see. Be inspired, motivated. Curry. And so each, each, uh, each story then is combined with a, a biblical um, parallel. Uh, like I did Lila Rose back, you know, when yeah. she launched her effort. And then I take hers and, and I look at the uh, Hebrew midwives uh, mm -hmm. in, in Genesis and that they stood up against Pharaoh. And, and so just taking the, um, the word of God and, uh, and, and showing that as the foundation, because I think we got to be very careful I'm concerned about some of the libertarianism I see today, yeah, yeah, and and yeah. and we have to operate. Look, you you uh, you have a dog. Mm -hmm. We have a dog. Mm -hmm. You've helped us work with our dog, and it's it's strength under control. Yes, and 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 if it doesn't, it's not a good dog. Yeah. It has to control. And so, as as believers, we're sage sage cons. We're spiritually active, governance engaged, but we're under right, the like control that. of the Holy Spirit, and libertarianism has no moral foundation to it. And I know I'm going to offend a lot of people out there. Being offended is okay. But the reality is, you, why are you taking the positions that you're taking? Mm -hmm. Is it because you just don't want anybody telling you what to do? Or is it because it offends God? Mm -hmm. See, I think we need to operate not out of personal offense, but out of righteous indignation. I couldn't have said it better. Um and, you know, sixth grade was the best five years of my life. Well, this guy. Then came the Marine Corps. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and crayon eating. It's, uh, as we kind of land this plane, what would you tell, I mean, young people, there's olders that are going to listen to, but what would you say? How does a young man become a leader? Well, first, it goes back to really what we've been talking about yeah. here. It, it starts with your own heart. And, you know, in, in Psalm 119, it talks about how does, a, how does a man, how does a young man keep from... Keep his way pure. Yeah. yeah. I mean, how does, he, how does he keep his life on track? And I'm using, yeah. I'm using some paraphrasing there. It's the Word of God. Mm. And, and so I would say... What most people are looking for, there's really five big questions that we all are seeking to answer. You know, you know, who am I? Why am I here? Mm. You know, what's my purpose? Where am I going? Mm. And, and I think 
the one thing that I have found, and I came, I was not born into a church home. I didn't go to church until I was about six or seven years old. Became a believer when I was about nine, but then it was a process growing a into journey. it. It was a journey. But what I have found that being a follower of Christ gave me a purpose. It's very like I, I watch, I still watch the Marine Corps and I watch their advertising. And all during, you know, 20 years of Afghanistan and combat, the Marine Corps never had an issue with recruiting. Yeah. I mean, you were guaranteed to take multiple tours into combat. And you, and, and you know, you had a good chance of getting hit by IED or, mm. you know, of getting taken out. The danger. And, but the, the slogan for the Marine Corps was a commitment to something greater than ourselves. That's what it is to be a Christian. It is a commitment to something greater than yourself. And I like William Wallace, Scottish warrior, you know, every man must die, but few men really live. That's the truth. And so I would say to that young man, give your life to something that matters. Mm-hmm. And it's not yourself. It's not, it's not a paycheck. It's not a big house, a fast car. It's not, you know, whatever the world says it is, it's not. It's living for something that echoes into eternity. You know, it's so good. I mean, really so good. It, it's I tell folks, God, you know, he made your fingerprint. Just be you. That's the best contribution yeah. to both this world and your sense of value. And that, that is really, that's the heart of it is being you. But you can't be you until you have been affirmed in Christ. Uh, because you're going to struggle with identity. Exactly. But, but when you're in Christ, that is your identity. Yeah. You can, and you can get success, but that doesn't mean fulfillment. Doesn't fill, doesn't fulfill no, the emptiness. No. See, there's a difference between success and satisfaction yeah. and, and significance. What we're looking for is not success in the eyes of the world. It's significance in the kingdom of God. This is good stuff. Folks, I hope you're listening and watching, and I hope you share. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast. We just crossed 100,000 subscribers on Pray.com, so we're grateful for all of y'all. And then we have all the other outlets, but make sure you subscribe. Go find Tony's stuff as well that we talked about. Two questions. We ask everybody two questions who comes on the program the first time. And uh, so might catch off guard a little bit. There are no wrong answers. But first one, what is your perception? People live according to perceptions oftentimes until they find out the facts. But what is your perception of Eileen and I, the ministry, who we are, what we do? What is your perception of it? It's multifaceted. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you charge into danger to help others. Um, that's my interaction with yeah. you. And it's uh, what I, I like to hang around people like that. Yeah. Um, because it tells me a lot about you. It tells me that I'm not, not going to say you're not afraid because I think we all, we'd be lying if we didn't say true. we, we, oh, yeah, there, there are occasions we, we all experience some fear but we live for a greater purpose, mm. and we live for others, and we live for the kingdom. And I, that's what I see. Thank you. Uh, that's great. It, it, you as well, I was going to say this earlier, but isn't this week uh, an anniversary point for you guys? Yeah, it was uh, yeah. actually the 10th anniversary of a shooting at our, our place um, in, in, in Washington, D.C. We had a gunman came in to, 
with 100 rounds of ammunition uh, designed to kill all of us. And um, it was interesting. We had a group of intercessors there the day before. And they felt led to pray protection over our building. Really? And they prayed right at the door. And that's not normal? They come in and pray, but not right. for that issue. They felt right prompted. The they, they felt prompted to pray for our safety and security. And so the building manager happened to be at the desk, and this guy came in, and he was ended up shot in the arm but still able to disarm this for man, him. put him down, and, uh, and he was the first person convicted of, dom- of domestic terrorism in, in D.C. And was sentenced to 25 years in, in, in prison. But his, uh, and he did all of that prompted by the Southern Poverty Law Center listing us as a hate group. Uh, of course, they've been unrepentant about that, continue to label individuals. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's very interesting, Victor, how, and this is true, the Bible speaks this very clearly, that, you know, the left is often projecting their own oh, feelings and motives. And, look, we don't hate anybody. Right. We, we actually prayed for, in fact, we just prayed, we had a, a ceremony thanking the Lord for his deliverance. But we prayed for this guy, Floyd Corkins, mm-hmm. who did the praying that even as he's in that cell, that he might come to freedom in Christ. Well, I, I love that. Um, last question. We all die. We talked about it. William Wallace, it's nobody gets out of this place alive unless you're Old Testament or God's got something else. Uh, I'm all for the rapture, uh, you know. Uh, but yeah, I, I, I've, I've been praying for that just like I was in boot camp. Exactly. Uh, pr- praying for that rapture. Exactly. I'm, uh, it's like, it reminds me of Nicky, uh, Nick Vujic, uh, Norms and Legs. He's yeah. a good friend. He goes, I still have shoes in my closet in case God wants to help me and grow my legs. But I, I, we're all going to die. What happens to Tony Perkins when he dies? And why do you believe it? What happens to me is that uh, I will be able to join my Lord and Savior in heaven. Not because of anything that I've done, uh, but because of what he has done. You know, while I was yet a sinner, Christ died for me. And then when I was a little boy, about six years old, he sent a little church with a parade for a vacation Bible school. I get, I get a little emotional about this. Yeah. He's that personal. He sent a little church mm. to tell a little boy that God loved him. And from that, um, I started, I went to the vacation Bible school, had a great time, and pleaded with my dad to take me back. And, you know, I'd never been in a church. Wow. And my dad, was, he was good folks, you know, volunteer firemen, you know, good people, good Americans, yeah. patriots, military veteran. But he was lost, didn't know the Lord. And we were all headed to hell. Um, and who knows? I have no doubt what I would be capable of absent of the Lord. Yeah. But I, I pleaded with the, my dad to take me back. So finally, you know, of course, if, if I was truthful, the reason I wanted to go back is because I really enjoyed the cookies. Uh, <laughs> you know, I was about, hey, as, I was about as wide as I, I was it. tall back then. But we went, and it was a small church, about 75 people. And uh, I didn't know, because I'd never been in church, I didn't know you weren't supposed to sit on the front row. Mm. And so my dad couldn't catch me, and I headed to the front row, and it was a Presbyterian church, so there was a buffer about eight rows between the pastor and all the people. And so here we were sitting. 
And my dad, I mean, he was sweating bullets. So he said later, I, I just felt like this pastor, somebody had told him all about right. me. And so the next night, this was in the day when pastors would come and do home visitation, oh. and he came and visited our home. And there in our living room, my mom and dad knelt down at the coffee table and accepted Christ as Savior. Really? That's old school. How personal is God for that? Obviously, it's affected you. You're emotional at this point. Your eyes are leaking a bit. And there may be people listening right now that come from the same background, don't know anything about the Lord. Or some know a little bit about the Lord, but not, not walk on them, their journey. You know, they're not in the right direction. But they're desiring it. What can you say to them or can you pray for them yeah. that they can have what you speak of? You know, it. God so wants to have a relationship with us. It's not like we have to plead with him, God, I, I want to know you. God wants to know us. He reached out to us first. He sent his son, Jesus Christ, to die for our sins. I, I actually, coming to Colorado, had a flat tire and didn't have a spare and had to wait and got a, a, a repair guy to come alongside the road, and I had this conversation with him. Hmm. You know, just talking about where he was going spiritually and, and just to share with him that God loves us so much that he sent his son, Jesus, to die for our sins. He wants that relationship. And it's just a matter of us saying, God, I need you. I want you to be the Lord of my life. And so I, I believe, I, I, I struggle with it. It, it. it just doesn't fit with what we hear today. But you know what? I'm going to take you at your word. There's a we don't have time to go into the evidence that Christ lived, he died, and he was seen by hundreds yeah. post-resurrection. It's true. It's a true story. Yeah. God raised him from the dead, and the Bible says if you believe that in your heart and you confess him with your mouth, you will be saved. Hmm. It's that simple. God, God is not—this is not a Rubik's Cube. It's not difficult. Right. It's simple. Now, it's not easy Yes. because Jesus said this. He said, if you want to follow me, here's what it takes— Deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow me. Yeah. So for those of you listening right now, and what you've heard Tony say, it it's pulling at your heartstrings. I mean, there's something you're like, I want that. I I mean, people come to faith in different ways. I don't think you can cook it, cutter it. Mm -hmm. um, I remember praying at an altar. Um, I remember praying with the pastors, you know. But I just knew this. I, I wasn't a good person and I need to be forgiven and God was offering his grace and love. And I remember when I was praying, I was talking to God and that's all prayer is folks. You're yeah. just talking to God. And I just said, I'm not, a, I'm not a good person. I, I know you died on the cross for me. If no one else was here, you would have still, I knew the reality of that in my heart. And I felt God say, I love you. I was like, Okay, I know that, but this is where you really get me, because I'm now I'm humble. I I know I'm a sinner, and they kept saying, "But I love you," and that's one of the hardest things for people to really grasp. Right. That God can actually love us. I struggled with that even even after. As a Christian, yeah, it's it's one of those things. He does. I remember I used to ask my wife. I go, "You really believe this? God loves you?" She's like, "Oh yeah, yeah," because. 
she truly believes what he did on the cross was yeah. enough. And it is. It's enough for all of it or none of it. You can't pick and choose and you can't say, well, you know, I've done things that, well, that's why he came. So I'll just, you want to pray for people? Absolutely. Why don't you pray for yeah. them? And yeah. you guys, listen to this prayer or pray it. See what God does. Father, we thank you for technology that connects us with folks all around the world. And, and no doubt there, there are some listening watching right now, who uh, something that the Holy Spirit has used is, is prompting them to ask questions. And so we know that we can only enter in through your grace, and that comes from you. And so I ask Holy Spirit right now, open the eyes of those who are desiring to see, that they might see your truth, and they might see that you love them in ways they've never seen before. And so I just pray, Father, that you would lead them into that relationship with you. And I'm just going to say, if you're listening right now, it's, it's as Victor said, there's no special words to say. It's really speaking from your heart, just saying, God, look, I, I've messed up, and I realize that there's something missing in my life. I'm a, I'm a sinner. I've done a lot of bad things, and I want to be forgiven. I want to be free of guilt and I want to have purpose in my life. Mm-hmm. And I, I see now, I'm, I'm hearing this, that Jesus is the way, that Jesus is the truth, and Jesus is the life. And your word says that no one comes to you but through Jesus. And so I want Jesus to be my Savior and my Lord. And so however you want to ask the, the Lord to do that, for Jesus to come into your life and to be your Lord and your Savior, he'll do it. He's waiting for that relationship with you. And then just say, Father, thank you. Thank you for forgiveness. Thank you for making me whole. Thank you for giving my life purpose and meaning. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for being my Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, there's no doubt in my mind that some people prayed that. If you're one of them, contact us. I want to send you a little New Testament. Uh, it's, a, it's a great little fake leather-bound New Testament. Uh, but it fits in your pocket, and it's pretty darn cool, and it's free. Don't worry, you're not going to get letters saying, now donate. We're just going to send it to you. Go to our website, victormarks.com. You'll have to go on to contact us and an email and say, I prayed with uh, Tony Perkins and Victor on the program, and I want to know more. We'll help you out. Um, and, of course, follow us on social media. We want to stay connected, but thank you. Um, and thank you, Tony, for being here for our first podcast in the studio. And uh, I appreciate you, brother. And so do my dogs. All right. Semper Fi, brother. Semper Fi. God bless you guys. Wherever you are, whatever you're doing, do it for God's glory. Let's just go get it done. Thanks for joining us for today's episode. We'd love to stay connected with you and invite you to the conversation beyond this podcast. You can check out more of the work we're doing around the world at victormarks.com, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, all linked in the show notes. Be sure to drop us a comment in the review section if today's show has impacted you in any way or if there's anything you'd like to hear more of. We're always encouraged to hear from you. Thanks for spending your time with us. Until next time.